Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 29 of the Clappercast. I'm Sean. And I'm Burke. And we are uh, talking here on November 18th, 2019. Uh, we're like just over a month and a half into the season now. And how are your thoughts so far on, well, they'll start with your team. So <laughs> you're a Cavs fan. They've got a significant lead in the league right now, like seven points over second place. So how's it been watching them have this uh, amazing start to the year? It's been fun. Um, I was a little hesitant going into the season to see how good of a team they were going to be, but they've actually been pretty pleasantly surprising. Um, it helps that John Carlson is going beast mode and getting points in like every single game. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think uh, I think he had another two assists in this game. They're playing tonight, right? Yeah, yeah, they just beat the Ducks. Uh, Carlson had two assists. Uh, he's got like a seven-game point streak or something now. Um, so um, they're doing really well. You know, the power play is doing well. Um, everybody's scoring. Um, Jacob Vrana is kind of having like a bit of a breakout year. Yeah. Um, it's been yeah. Uh, it's been nice to see on their end, too, the, uh, the emergence of some of the depth players doing really well as well. Um, yeah. We were talking just before starting the recording, and you were mentioning the fourth line has been exceptional so far. Yeah, um, I was a little scared going in about particularly that fourth line. Um, we had some new guys coming in. You know, we have Garnet Hathaway and Brendan Leipzig. And, um, you know, those guys are kind of energy guys, and I wasn't sure how they're going to be. But they're actually really fun to watch. They play with Nick Dowd, typically. Um, Boyd has been playing. Um, up the middle on that a little bit too that they've, they've been good um i think they got in a little bit of a, a scuffle today <laughs> yeah so um, there's a bit of a line right into that that was kind of a funny uh funny well i'll say funny situation but uh they got into a bit of a, a line brawl and then um garnet hathaway got sucker punched by erica branson and in that hathaway spat on good branson yes yes he did so, <laughs> yeah so that's not a that's not a cool move um you found a pretty funny quote though <laughs> yeah <laughs> Most, mostly i just wanted to mention this quote because of how uh, how just very hilarious it sounded and is worded so in a post-game interview garnett hathaway said um spit came out of my mouth after i got sucker punched and went on to him it was a quick reaction and un- unfortunately the wrong one for me <laughs> yeah so, so that's just kind of like you know you're, you, you know someone's asking you oh did you did you punch that guy and he's like and you respond the uh, my arm may have come in contact with his face after <laughs> after moving it, but uh, you know. Yeah, so I mean, I I think he's got a bit of a point because um, let's let's break the play down. So what happened was um, Hathaway was behind the net, um, and then I don't know who it was in the Ducks even, but they got the puck like right at the at the post. And Brennan Leipzig came in and laid a monster hit. And then you can see it like like two of the Ducks, rather than go to their check, because Washington still has possession, they go to Leipzig to, to hit him. And because of that, they leave Chandler Stevenson wide open in the slot and Hathaway passes on the puck and he just roofs it, snipes it, top shatter. And meanwhile, there's a fight breaking out. <laughs> and then... It's kind of it kind of settles down a bit. Like Hathaway was fighting with somebody, and then they settle down, and the refs got Hathaway, and Good Branson comes over. Looks and like, he, yeah, it looks like Hathaway's got Grant. So Derek Grant. So the refs got Hathaway locked down, like his arms are immobile, and Good Branson's punching him in the face. 
it's it's cheap shots, and then you spat on him because he couldn't punch, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's always a tough one when the refs grab the guy and they have one of the two guys' arms locked up, and then the other one is just like taking liberties at him and punching him and stuff. Yeah, like what do you do? So um, he was yeah. assessed a match penalty on the play, which I think is actually the incorrect call because I think in the rule book it says it's a game um, misconduct. Um, so we'll see if that match gets rescinded. Um, but I mean, after the after the game, right after that quote, um, Hathaway said, you know, his actions had no place in the game. So uh, you know, he s- shows a bit of remorse there. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of kind of owning up to a heat of the moment decision. Yeah. So. Um, that being said, I'm, you know, I'm the goal surprised counted. he didn't say. Um, oh, it, yeah, they did. That's the other important part. And he got an um, assist. I'm surprised he didn't say that. Uh, Ed Ransom just punched the spit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, you know, get an assist and then get fucking booted out of the game. So, so yeah, almost I, a very um, hat trick on one play. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I guess to to come full circle on that, yeah, the the Capitals have been been fun to watch. You know, they've definitely retained a lot of their core over the past few seasons you know it's definitely very much the same team Holtby's been playing really well lately he had a bit of a shaky start to the year but he's been kind of back to his his former self so um yeah they've been a lot and of fun it to seems watch once again they've got uh, they've got another another excellent backup coming up through the system in Ilya Samsonov yeah Samsonov has been pretty impressive um, they've recently actually just uh, sent him back down um, more of a cap space move because right. uh, I think they have Vanacek or Copley came up, uh, so they make less than him. I think it was Vanacek came up. Um, so Samsonov is still in DC, to my knowledge. He hasn't actually gone to Hershey, so he'll probably be, you know, get right. It's just one of those paper transactions. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so yeah, they've they've been. They've been fun to watch. You know, everybody's putting up points. Um, Richard Paddock yeah. got his first uh, goal as a capital today after having a bit of a shaky start to the year. He he um, was kind of held scoreless for, for a while, and then he got hurt and was put on LTIR for a while and came back. And there were some people who were critical of him, so it was kind of nice to see him get a goal like 50 seconds into this game tonight. So Yeah, yeah I think that's... Uh... I think that's a, a good start for him because he's a pretty reliable, probably third, fourth line guy. He's kind of known for a bit of a speed, a bit of an energy game. Mm-hmm. So to have him finally kind of starting to get in, hopefully get into the group offensively, that'll be a nice, uh, not that they capture in <laughs> need of it, but another nice offensive yeah, depth. Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's a bit streaky, they, but oh, uh, I, but yeah, like you said, the Caps have, have a lot of depth. So um, if he can chip in, he can. <laughs> They're they're currently the best offensive team in the league. They've got a 15 goal lead over Florida <laughs> for sec. Yeah, we have better defense too, so that helps. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they've been fun. Um, so on that note, we're talking about one one Eastern Conference team that is starting excellently. How about we move to one that's been struggling big time as of late? I think I know who you're in talking Toronto about. Toronto <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, have they lost five in a row at this point? Four. Four. Okay. Yeah, four game losing streak. I think I saw somewhere they've won like two of their last fourteen regulation games or yeah. something. So they're they're barely getting by even in overtime. The team's goal differential is down to minus six, which is not not a good sign for uh, heading into late November with American Thanksgiving coming. Yeah, up that's right kind away. of the metric, right? Like the goal um, differential by American Thanksgiving. Basically. Yeah. 
goal differential is usually it's usually just simplified as to like if you're in the playoffs at American Thanksgiving, chances are you're going to be there at the end of mm-hmm. year too. Um, goal differential is just the the easiest way to predict play like if you're going to make the playoffs basically. Right. Uh, I see. Well, they're still in a. Are they still? Where are they sitting in in the uh, standings right now? Um, Let me flip over there. They are in. They are fourth um, in the wild card uh, race. Okay. So they're they're two points back of Pittsburgh and Philly for the wild card spots. Mm. So they're actually not even in the playoffs right now. That's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've they've been trending down. But I mean, they're also only three points back of Florida for third in the division. So it's not like they're it's not like they've got an insurmountable deficit to come back from. But um, we we're seeing like even Tampa Bay started to play a lot better, and they're still sitting, you know, four points out of a playoff spot. Yeah, right. And the other thing with the Leafs is that they've played 22 games, um, most in the East except for Washington and Detroit. So every other team above them is at 20 games. Yeah, so they've they've so that's like a couple extra games. Tampa's yeah. played 17. Yeah. So they they've got some yeah. games in hand. So. Yeah, Toronto's been having a rough go. Um, I mean, we've we've kind of been talking about this for the whole season. Um, yeah, it's pretty much a weekly segment. Is just how are the Leafs still struggling? Yeah, um, there was a Matthews quote that you mentioned to me. That uh... yeah, so I don't have the exact quote, but um, in in an interview over the last few days, Austin Matthews has talked about a lack of confidence in the dressing room, which it's it's kind of nice like the openness that he's kind of admitting like yeah we're just we're in a slump right now basically like nobody's got it rolling nobody's nobody's really feeling it right now and it's hard to it's hard to just make it happen when when everyone's kind of like doubting themselves and have in and, and the same type it is of nice but it is toronto so that's going to be blown completely out of proportion <laughs> and it's going to turn into has babcock oh, sure. lost the dressing room has he lost like confidence in his team it's just going to be just ridiculous it's gonna, i know it's just going to blow up um the babcock's kind of already on the hot seat a bit in the eyes of fans at least um um there was a fire babcock chance in that game a couple days yeah, ago yeah that was in pittsburgh right i think that so, was the probably. game <laughs> that uh they lost what was it like six two six or one something i think like that six one or six two right? yeah um that was a rough and one. that was that was their new backup um Kaskasuo's debut i believe yes welcome to the nhl here's the pittsburgh penguins yeah no doubt <laughs> fuck yeah yeah got hung but up to um run. to kind of go to kind of go back to that matthews quote we kind of think about how toronto's got this fairly young team and fairly inexperienced too i mean tavares has a bit of experience in his time in his uh in his years but the rest of the core of the team is still very, very young, very, very inexperienced. And additionally, the amount of roster turnover over the last couple of seasons too, that they don't have that, that dressing room chemistry build up over, over time that a lot of, a lot of the better teams get, like you see in Washington and True. Boston, like the perennial, the perennially they good have teams. lost their $11 million man too. Barner, is out and that is a injury. that is a massive loss. Um, so it, that that's huge because he plays power play. He is kind of the quarterback on that power play one. He plays penalty kill. He plays huge minutes with Tavares. He's yep. he's Smith. And he's probably their best all around forward. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
we don't have to tell anybody. We, we heard about it all off season how important he was to that team and yep. what, a, what type of player he was. But um, it, it sucks that he's out, obviously. Um, but that's not the only reason that they're struggling. Um, you mentioned Kaskasuo. Yep. Um, did you see the one goal um, where, um, who was it, Muzzin tripped up um, Tanev? Tanev went sliding into Kaskasuo. It was uh, reviewed for a long time. Um, or maybe, no, it wasn't reviewed. It was just the ref went over to talk to Mike Sullivan. And you could see uh, Mike Recchi, like his uh, assistant, um, you know, talking to his uh, review guy. Right. <laughs> and just determining if they wanted to challenge. And they were given like something like two and a half They're minutes just... to, to decide if they wanted to challenge so um, wow that is that's that's kind of absurd they should they should really just be like going at the normal pace of the game and if you can't figure it out in that you know minute of celebration and resetting up the play like yeah you're you're just looking you're like grasping at straws here yeah it it was a long time um i was watching the toronto feed of that game and uh they were they were getting pretty upset that that the the game was getting delayed, mind you, this was a, a already a blowout game, but um, people are just wanting to get out. Yeah, it was. It ended up being a good goal, so I just wanted to to see if you had saw that because it was it was a really weird situation where Tanev was was coming in to the net, got tripped up by Muzzin, flew into the goalie, and then somebody else put the put the puck into the net so it was determined that Muzzin caused Tanev to go into the goalie therefore it was a good goal yeah. it was just uh, I can agree with yeah that it, was a, it was a fair enough ruling it just Without took seeing a the long goal, time to get there yeah um, so yeah it was a bit of a weird one um, but I mean nothing really Cascasio could do on that so it sucks that in his first game his his numbers are just getting fucked by a goal like that <laughs> Whereas D-Man just, yeah. you know, destroys him, basically. Um, Isn't that some good old Mike Babcock game? <laughs> no, it wasn't him. Out. It was Sullivan. Oh, great. Wrong, wrong <laughs> yeah. side. Yeah, it would, it would totally make sense for Babcock to do that, um, you know, with his, his uh, icing. Yeah, his icing strategy. that's all I had in my mind the entire time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kaskasuo let up let up a bunch of goals in his debut but again you can't fault him too much because of the situation he was put in it was another like day two of a back-to-back i think and you know against a higher scoring team like pittsburgh and yeah and pittsburgh's doing despite all of their injuries pittsburgh is doing really well this year yeah um it's just sucks for Toronto. <laughs> just can't get it going. Yeah. Um, I feel for the fans because they have a good team on paper. And they look to have gotten better this offseason. But it's just not really working out that way. Um, I wanted to mention Tyson Berry and his struggles that he's going through. Um, Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because that was such a big acquisition for the team and like 
Barry was was rumored to be a target for the Leafs for basically the entirety of the yeah. last season, right? Because I think he was he was like target number one at the trade deadline before they got Muzzin. Everyone was like Tyson Barry's the perfect fit. He's like the right handedness and that offensive offensive defensive guy, like just a great fit for what the Leafs needed and and their system. Yeah. And then he gets here. But, um, yeah, that's and not working. He well. doesn't have a goal still. He's not playing power play time. Or power play one, like he's used to in Colorado, yep. and doesn't look like Babcock is willing to to take Riley off that first power play, um, in um with with Barry, which uh, kind of sucks for Barry because he's he's good on the power play. I don't know if Riley is really that great, but I my understanding is him playing on the left side. All he has to do is really pass the puck down to Marner or Nylander and he gets an assist because it just gets thrown over to Matthews and he one times it. So basically, <laughs> yeah. So Tyson Berry's Tyson Berry's ice time this year, his total ice time hasn't changed. It's pretty much the it's same as the last few years, but his usage is big time change. So he had like four minutes of power play time per game in Colorado last year. And he's down to two minutes this year. Yeah, so it's halved. Yeah, and for for a guy with his talents, like of course he's going to put up a lot of his production on the power play. That's kind of where he excels. So with four minutes of power play time per game, he's probably going to get a point every at least every game or two on that. So if that suddenly cut down and he's utilized on a worse unit instead of playing with McKinnon and Rantanen and Landeskog, now he's with like the Leafs D team basically. Yeah, not going to get as many points. I was going to get get as many opportunities. No, he's been held pointless a lot this season. Um, he's he's not doing very good, and it it was confirmed that the Leafs are getting trade calls for him. I could see him being a very valuable yeah. asset because Colorado is already retaining fifty percent of his salary. So if they can mm-hmm. trade him, it's they could get something back for him. Because I don't think he's going to stay at the end of the season based on his usage. Like it doesn't, no. based on his previous point totals, you know, he he's not going to want to play that. Yeah, way. a player like him is probably a top pairing defenseman on most yeah. teams. So he's probably not going to be too willing to stay in Toronto to be a second pairing guy. At least guy. the power play, because you know, he's he's had yeah. high point totals before, like fifty point D man, and for him to now be kind of on pace for probably like 20 <laughs> he's not going to want to stick around i don't think and if he can get traded no. this year um you know he can potentially work himself into a power play one situation and then um you know earn himself another payday for his next contract which i think would be extremely yeah. appealing for a player like him yeah and uh just to kind of conf- like restate what uh what you mentioned before the uh the Leafs are receiving trade calls on Barry. That does not mean that he is in trade rumors and he's in trade yeah. talks. It's just teams are like calling to inquire about his availability. Um, there's no there's no um, suspicion that he's actually available or that the Leafs are fielding these calls with, you know, much enthusiasm. But um, you know, the interest is there, and teams very obviously know what Barry is capable of and are seeing what they can get for him. Um, he hasn't asked for a trade either, but maybe as we move closer to the trade deadline, with him being in a contract year, like you said, he's going to want to try and get somewhere where he can Showcase kind of reclaim some of that value because 
it, it's hard when because you see a lot of guys have a you know their breakout year and a contract year well you don't want to go and have a massive regression and then lose a bunch of value before you go and sign a big yeah. contract yeah one thing with this barry is i kind of wanted to see if if you could speculate on potentially who those trade calls are coming from because you know what is there a team that would want an offensive right-hand defenseman i could think of a lot of teams <laughs> that would want i'm i mean i'm pretty sure that is the most valuable type of defenseman <laughs> out there exactly to yeah. be honest um i want to i want to throw vancouver in there cuz i feel like they're going to want they you know they're going to kind of be on the cusp of a playoff spot if not wanting a little bit more i could see that um i'm just trying to see what what side quinn hughes plays but I could see someone like a, a lot of these playoff bubble teams are going to be more than willing to take a flyer on a cheap defenseman with a lot of potential to bounce yep. back. Quinn Hughes is a um, unfortunately a lot don't might not have the cap space for him because there's a lot of teams up at the up at the cap limit. Yeah, but yeah, I could see Vancouver. Yeah, you know he's a he's a Victoria guy. Through the Barry, so yeah, and the Vancouver Canucks would probably be pretty appealing to him having grown up in BC. Yeah, and. The other thing too is the Canucks like really, really need defensemen. Yep. Like for the future, they they've got okay right now, but Tanev and Edler um, are aging and they're still doing okay, but they're not going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to need some. They don't exactly have the greatest defensive prospect pools. So they might need another guy like Barry to kind of tie them over for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Levy got hurt again. Hey. That's not good for him. He's had, he's uh kind of dropped off the face of the earth in terms of prospect rankings yeah, lately. Definitely, I could I could see Vancouver. That would make sense to me. I don't know if they have got the space to accommodate him, but I mean, if they made some some type of move, um, that would be a, that would look like a natural fit just on the 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 team that they're icing right now. I think that no, they definitely don't have the cap space as I'm looking at cap friendly. But you never know when it gets closer to the trade deadline. They couldn't, yeah, how that magic you know, works. They they kind of have. They yeah they do, they do have a guy like Sven Berchi, more of a skilled forward who I feel like might want to fit into Toronto's system a little bit differently than Berchi's kind of getting passed over in Vancouver. I could, I'm sure they could work out a bit of a retained salary thing to make it a bit make it about equal Barry and Berchi coming back. I could see. Uh... Babcock wanting Vertanen. <laughs> yeah, that's the right. I just the right type of player. But uh, you know, he's obviously not calling the shots. Um, yeah, I can hmm. I can see him having adding value to a lot of teams that are like you said, kind of on the cusp of making playoffs. Um, like I don't know if there's a right-handed D-man that's needed in like Philly because um, I don't know who. Who would even be a right-handed D-man on Philly? Provorov? Is he right-handed? Let's see. Matt Niskanen, Justin Braun, Travis Sanheim, and Philip Myers. Yeah, so I think there might be a need there. Um, definitely. Definitely. They also are in need of an offensive defenseman with Goss's Bear having a struggle yeah, for a bad season been so far. struggling since kind of his rookie year, hasn't he? He's kind of... Yeah, he had that break. He had that one amazing season. Um, Actually, no. 46.64 in his rookie year, then dropped to 39 and 76 the next year. Then he went back up to 65 and 78. Oh. Then last year was 37 and 78. And now he's just at six six points in 20 games. Oh, okay. So he's kind of been jumping back and forth a lot, but this year he's been pretty slow. And I think he's gotten demoted 
um, basically behind Provorov in a lot of situations. Yeah, Provorov is definitely their their number one guy. Pardon me, I, uh, he's definitely the best. So yeah, Philly could be Philly could probably use a guy like Barry on their top pairing. Yeah. Um, for for more of a and boost. I wonder if if a team this I hear me out here. <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid, but okay. Update coming. <laughs> I wonder if Vegas <laughs> would want him. You know, okay, so as soon as you said, hear me out here, I was just going to say, what, Vegas? <laughs> they, they seem to want to trade for yeah. everybody. They want everybody, and I know Shea Theodore isn't having the greatest season either. Um, and Vegas does have a need for right-handed defensemen, yeah. or guys listed as a right D. They've got Nate Schmidt and Nick Holden, and then Derek Englund, who is very quickly playing himself out of the yeah. lineup. So I could see Vegas so, is never really out of the question when it comes to trade talk. No. You know, and a quick puck-moving defenseman like Barry would fit in with Vegas's system very yeah. well. Yeah, I could, I could see Toronto trading out and it would of also probably too, for sure. Yeah. It would also probably help um, cover Barry's question marks around his defense with the system Vegas has. Yep. Quick puck mover. Opportunity to play power play. Um, just a quick note. Um, about Vegas. This has nothing to do with Barry, but have you noticed that uh, Pacioretty has been playing uh, on a different line? He's been playing with uh, Riley Smith and um, uh, William Carlson. Um, I didn't realize they had changed lines, but I did know that the the original line, I guess, of um, Stastny, Pacioretty, and Stone, they had been struggling for a few games. And they must have gotten switched up because Pacioretty's been hot and Mark Stone just completely quieted down for a while. He just got his first goal in like eight games yeah, last night. They've they've been moving the, the lineup around. So, um Cody Glass is kind of Yeah, they've had to do a bit of a bit of work. Bumping around. Yeah. Um I just w- watched a couple other games and thought it was interesting that Pacioretty was actually playing with um Carlson and Riley Smith because yeah. I mean you always watch their games and you see Marcia so Riley Smith and William Carlson together, and you see like Patches, mm-hmm. uh, Stasny, and Stone. And so it was weird to <laughs> not see those out because I noticed that because I have, um, I have Riley Smith on my fantasy team, and um, my opponent has Marcheso, and I got a minus <laughs> on Riley Smith and my opponent didn't get a minus on Marcia so I was like, how could that be? <laughs> They're on the same yeah. line. I, then I tuned into the <laughs> game and noticed that they weren't playing together, and I was like, what the, f- what the hell is going on? Well, that's just one of those situations where the guy sees the puck going into the net, so he hops off to the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get me out of here. Stats. <laughs> Take the minus. <laughs> I see what's happening. Yeah. Get me out. Yeah, pretty funny. Um, but I, I could, I could mm-hmm. see Vegas happening. Um, you just never really know. That they're they're just in on everybody. Oh, for sure. Um, so, I, I like your pick yeah. of Vancouver, though. I think that would be a natural um, place for him to go to, um, just based on you know what Vancouver needs. Um, that'd be that'd be yeah, pretty, pretty help fun. Him out. Um, yeah. So, Sinkin, how about we change gears here? Um, There's a bit of a controversial situation uh, in a game over the weekend with uh, Matt Calvert on the Colorado Avalanche, where uh, he blocked a shot to the head. It hit him somewhere in the face, and he was down on the ice bleeding. He tried to get up and couldn't, 
stand up. He got to his knees and then went back down. And the play continued. Refs didn't blow it down. There's one staring right at him. And then Vancouver scored yeah, on the play. I was play. watching that game live. And there was a lot of backlash from the players, including um, Zach Wierenski, who you might recall a few seasons yeah. ago in the playoffs, had a puck ramp off his stick into the face where he, that was when he broke his jaw or his yeah. orbital bone. In playoffs Something against like the Penguins. But um, yeah, a lot of blood and because they didn't whistle. they Did they whistle the play no. down that time? No, they didn't. And play continued on. He's there in a giant pile of blood. Everyone's screaming to whistle the play down, and it's just going. So there's a lot of a lot of players are talking about how that's just a joke. I think Eric Johnson basically said that's a fucking joke. Yep. <laughs> that they're not protecting the players at all. Yeah. And they're just letting it happen. This guy who very clearly needs medical attention. Like this isn't just him kind of lying down, milking an injury to get the play blown dead. He's bleeding on yeah, the ice. Yeah, I, I was watching that game live with a couple of buddies um and one of them well, two of the two of them were huge canucks fans so you know they obviously had some bias but they even said like why isn't this getting called down and i immediately thought of that zach Marensky thing and i could just i could yeah i could remember it happening and watching that and being like what the fuck blow it down and in that Marensky one there's a there's visible blood on the ice and Marensky. Mm-hmm. He's down. He definitely doesn't stay down, though. He gets up and he skates to the bench, like covering his face because he's bleeding so much. And they don't blow it down. And Pittsburgh scores. And I remember the backlash for that being pretty huge because it was obvious that he was not okay because of the amount of blood. Of course. And then in this one, it's different to me because there wasn't visible blood. But it, he was down As for a much. long time. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't notice the blood until he, he took his helmet off and you could see it the from his ear. Right. And then you watch the replay and it he's kind of got like his, he swings around on the, trying to block Pedersen from shooting. Yeah, he he kind of had a weird maneuver to try and get in the way of that puck. The puck goes but, up um... off of his, his shaft of his stick and right into his face, I think. Or right into the side of his head. Yeah, something, something like but that. But Pedersen, you see it after he's hit. He's standing there like this guy needs help. He's looking around with his arms up. Yeah. And then play continues, and Vancouver scores. And it was a long time. Yeah. Too. It was a solid five, ten seconds at yeah. least, right? And in a situation like that, like that's that's massive. That's not that feels like minutes. Like um, watching a guy just on the ice like that. And it's very clear he's not able to get up and deal with it under his own power, like in in like some other players I mean, do. What is the rule that the team needs to have possession, or it needs to be not? I think a that's clear it. Scoring opportunity coming up. For pl- I think for I think that is like it's down. something like that. But I think uh, I feel like that was a bit of a. I guess the refs played it as well as they could based off what we believe the rule to be. But I think that's also a signal that maybe that rule needs to be reevaluated for situations like that. Because, I mean, these refs are, as much criticism as they take, they are still amazing at their jobs and amazing at seeing what happens in real time when they're on the ice. And they are probably able to see what happened better than we ever will. They are probably able to tell 
when he gets up and goes back down, they can probably see the blood somewhere on the ice and realize, okay, that's probably a discretionary call I should make. They should they, they should probably be some provision in the rule book to allow them to do that. Yeah, it's tough because watching it live, I didn't I I wasn't able to tell he got hit in the face or the head. I didn't know that until yeah. the replay. And for the referees, it would be hard to to tell where he got hit too because it's a weird deflection. It's it's not easy to see. Even if you're on the ice, you don't know. Um, like I said, I I didn't see the blood until he took his helmet off and you could see it the side of his head. I don't know if there was blood on the ice. I don't remember seeing it, but um, it's it's tough to see that stuff live, and it is at the discretion of the referee to blow play down. And if they feel it, there's a clear scoring opportunity coming up, then that's their decision to let it go. You know, there's there's two referees yeah. out there. Neither of them thought it was worthy of blowing down. Now, I don't know if that's the right or wrong call, but that was their call. So that's the way yeah. it went. It's, it's tough. I saw all the players mad about it and i get it because player safety is should be paramount but that's not how it goes sometimes um and it was a you know like a last minute goal against for colorado so i can see why they're frustrated um they ended up winning well there's also the fact too you know say okay you've got this injured player on the ice well that suddenly puts the team at a disadvantage where they're basically just in a shorthanded situation yeah. now, which is also like another reason why if a player is, is down and clearly hurt too badly to get off the ice on their own, that there should probably be some way to blow the play dead in the time or in real time. Yeah. The, the obvious problem with that is that players will take advantage of that. Yes. Yes. That was where I was going to go with that next. Um, you know, we we see we see gamesmanship with delay of games after icing and all that type <laughs> of stuff. Are we gonna see players abusing the "oops, I'm too hurt to get up" and then you go down the tunnel and then come back? Like, um, I think Tortorella did that with a penalty shot oh, last yeah. year. I can't remember who got who got hurt on the play, but um, went down the tunnel after getting slashed or taken down on a breakaway, so that Tortorella could pick a better guy to take a penalty mm-hmm. shot. And then immediately when, by the time the penalty shot even happened, the guy was back on the bench or like standing at the end of the tunnel watching. So, you know, players, some will take advantage of the, uh, yeah, I'll get play blown dead at the end of a long penalty kill when when I block a shot, I'll just stay down. that all the time in minor hockey. Kids will just pretend that they're hurt. So play gets blown down or they get attention or whatever. It happens all the time, yeah. so that's something that's kind of just inherent to hockey. Is, oops, I'm hurt. We better mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> um, so maybe what 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 do you think would be a better way to specify that to prevent it? Like, um, checking for like seeing if they if they see blood on the ice or something, or blood on the player or the glove or something. I don't know. I think I think a good sign is the other player recognizing that that guy is hurt like it's yeah i think it's always it's going to be discretion of the referee but seeing Pedersen react that way you can tell it was a real injury 
Um, it's just like yeah. Bacchus when um, um, what's his name? Uh, Sabrin. Right, Sabrin. Yeah, Scott Sabrin. When he got hurt, you see Bacchus. He notices right away. It's not. There's no faux injury here. It's just, this is real, and they blow it down. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's obvious when it's when it's real, but and people can be good actors too. So it's tough. I think it's just it's gonna be up to the referees, and sometimes they're gonna miss them, and sometimes they're not. They're gonna blow it down for someone who's not really that hurt. But that's just the way it goes. I think it's not gonna be perfect. I feel like. No, it can't be perfect, but um, and I feel like in an age where we need to see, like, we want to see the NHL starting to take steps to, like, actually pretend they take player safety seriously, that may be giving up, like, a couple of plays that could have been something because it looks like a guy was hurt versus letting the guy lie on the ice in pain for, you know, however long that he can't get off for. Like, maybe, maybe it... You know, we see a couple a couple plays now where a team scores because the guys hurt on the ice. Maybe the other way is going to be better, yeah. where a couple scoring chances might be lost, but it's at the benefit of a player who might be actually really hurt and needs to get off the ice. Well, I could. I feel like that might be a like, better another option. Another option could be like giving the linesman the ability to call the play dead because they're not watching the play as closely they might have a better yeah. vantage point on the, on on players around yeah. there yeah. um you know giving them the ability just to to call play dead when there's an injury in in those types of situations yeah i should that note work that too. the difference between the sabrin one and this calvert one is that the sabrin one was in the neutral zone in a nothing play there was no um imminent scoring chance so yes. it was a lot easier to yes. make that decision, but in the in the attacking zone, I think refs are going to have a you know they're they're going to be more hesitant to blow that play dead because um, you blow that down and the guy's not hurt and you have a team mad at you. Well, you're, they're going to be mad at you regardless if he is hurt or not because you've blown their yeah. scoring chance. Wh- which way is it better yeah. for, or which way would you rather than be mad? I guess yeah. Is the, or you could is have a team mad because yeah. their guy's actually hurt. And you don't stop playing. He's out there struggling. So I don't yeah. know. It's I think it's kind of just going to be six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's just it's never going to be perfect, and that's just the way sports are. No. Sometimes the refs make judgment calls, and sometimes they're wrong, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I hope Calvert's okay. Um, it. it I, it's nice at least that McKinnon had a super fucking nice goal in overtime to win the game for them. <laughs> Did you see that one? You know, McKinnon scores so many nice goals. Which one was this? He again? just went coast to coast basically in overtime and went right by everybody on the Canucks and just roofed it. You gotta love it. Like just watching a player just use their speed and just fly through everybody. It was I'm guessing it reminds it. It's similar to that one he scored against Calgary. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, it was very reminiscent. That's, like, that's of becoming that. a staple. The coming from goal. the blue line, just bombs by everybody and just roofs it. Yeah, he is deadly. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was a. It was quite the whirlwind of emotions because, as I mentioned, I was watching with some Canucks fans and they were very, very happy that the Canucks scored to tie it up, and then 
McKinnon just <laughs> I even said to them, it's time for McKinnon to go piss nasty here. And then he just winds up and just <laughs> lets it rip. <laughs> so it's amazing so yeah but again hopefully calvert's okay because that you never want to see that um guy struggling yeah. it'll be interesting to see over the next little bit here like every time one of these incidents happens like there's always you know a week or so of discussion over it and questions about the rule book being changed and then it kind of dies off until the next yeah. one you know it'll be interesting to see if this is maybe the one that gets it thrown into some gm meetings where they start voting on a rule change yeah. or something or some sort of provision where it starts to kind of gain some traction. Now that we've seen there's, you know, a lot of players or, you know, a handful of players have come out and said, like, this, you know, this will be something that we'll be fighting for. Yep. If Eric Johnson and uh, and Zach Wierenski both. Yeah, and if it's... Being very vocal about what happened. If it's not brought up by the, the GMs, it, it'll get brought up by the NHLPA. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, the player's health is, is important. And their representatives will will fight for that. Um, but again, I don't know how you write that into the rule book. Like, it's just hockey being a physical game, how do you write mandatory stoppages for down players? Like, I, don't, I, just, I yeah. just don't know. A lot of work on the wording. That, uh, <laughs> Which will have the could be, could be something the that gains discretion. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I did want to mention a few other injuries um, and just some. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. So, um, stick, sticking with head injuries, Kyle Opozo diagnosed with his fourth concussion in three years. Yeah, hate to see. Yeah, and it took him a long time to come back from that last one. Yeah, right? I think his career was almost over with that last one. Yeah, because something else happened too in the recovery stage. I think. Yeah, he got like sick or something. So he was kind of, yeah, he was kind of in the hospital for a lot of the summer, and we were all kind of like, "What the hell just happened?" So it was it was amazing to see him come back and and playing again, but another concussion. And the more and more that he we that some of these guys keep getting, it's like, how much longer can they keep going? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh. The more that they get, the more dangerous it becomes, right? Um, that's something mm-hmm. that I'm worried about for TJ Oshie, uh, especially his father has uh, he's got Alzheimer's, and I think it's Alzheimer's. It might be early onset dementia, but either one, either way, very very yeah. sad disease. Um, and Oshie has had a lot of concussions in his career. A lot of diagnosed concussions, I should say, too. You never know how many undiagnosed ones. So never mind. Never mind. He just you just get dinged. Nothing really. Nothing really really happens. But it still is technically one, which for for a guy that plays like him, he's yeah. gonna get hit a lot. Yeah. There's it's dicey. Um, quickly, while we're on the topic of uh, some some head injury stuff, um, not really an injury, but. Uh, worth noting that nolan patrick is still still out of the lineup with his uh migraine disorder yeah yeah so yeah i think that's what he got diagnosed with was a migraine disorder right before the season started um i did see in the last week that he is like he's doing like light skating but he's still nowhere close to coming back they're kind of talking timelines as like a season not not even like weeks or months it's like the season that's brutal 
So it doesn't sound like he's anywhere close. Yeah, to I was doing some yet. reading on it, and it says that the the treatment plan involves a lot of discovering what causes them for you and everyone kind of has their own individual yeah. triggers so it could be like diet mm -hmm. or you know just whatever whatever it is it takes a lot of you know work to try and figure out how to avoid them yeah. and how to get through them and man i feel for the guy that must be brutal because it's not like I'm have I am on a, I'm out four weeks with an injury. It's like I have no idea what is going on. Yeah, so like you know, hockey's hockey's his life basically, and he's he can't do anything. So I can imagine the mental the mental toll of that, the physical toll of not being able to to exercise that great, the the stress and anxiety around just like what is wrong, like what's going on, when is it going to stop. I only hope that like they figure they find a trigger or something or some sort of treatment plan to help them just get back to normal first to living in normal yeah, life. Outside of hockey. It's it's gotta be rough. I know Philly wants him back, but yeah. kind of the right way is to take it slow and uh, make sure they do it right and not get him back too early and cause some potentially like lifelong issues. So Absolutely. And fingers crossed they can work something out, get them back into the lineup Absolutely. eventually, whenever that may be. Um, Canadians kind of had some bad news. Jonathan Drouin is going to be out for, what, eight weeks? The wrist injury? Um, yeah, I think I saw today wrist. He had wrist surgery today, and he's going to be out for eight weeks. So that's a big loss for them because he's been doing that's really well this year. That's a bummer for sure. He's got 15 points in 19 games so far. So he's been pretty money for them and that uh that's gonna hurt yeah and they also lost winger paul byron he's out with a knee injury so I, I don't remember what the timeline is for him but um you know he's someone who can contribute in their lineup he hasn't really been he's only got four points in 19 games but um you know he's, he's brings a lot of speed to that lineup and um i don't know if they really have the amount of depth as some other teams in the league to to um counteract these two injuries but they have been scoring by committee so that is at least yeah. it was so and long. the nice thing for montreal too is they do actually have a fairly strong prospect pool of guys who are close to making it okay so they should be able to have enough people coming up like with kakanyemi and ryan paling and nick suzuki um i think one or two of them one of them was injured i don't know if they're kakanyemi was but there's enough there's enough guys yeah right so okay i think there's enough enough guys close that should be able to come up and fill in. And when you're, when your team is scoring by committee already, it's easier to slot someone in and they can kind of join the crowd. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then um, last one I have on my list is Crosby. Um, he's, he's out for what does it? Um, six, six weeks. weeks. So a month and a half. He had sports hernia surgery. Yeah, so the notable thing about this one, too, is that this was something that was bothering him in training camp, but he he intentionally held off on getting it surgically repaired because of the amount of injuries the team had had around that time frame. And the only reason he did now is because he re-aggravated it in the last game he played. So, like, it was kind of it was kind of managed in air quotes, and then... The, like this time they couldn't they couldn't like put it back in place for 
him to play until someone else came back that he had to stop for a bit. God damn it, Crosby. So just a <laughs> just a really rough year for the Penguins and injuries. Yeah. The the good news, if you want to see it that way, is that Evgeny Malkin typically plays just fucking insane hockey when Crosby is out of the lineup. I don't know what it is, but he just becomes a beast when Crosby's not in the lineup. So <laughs> we're gonna see Hart Trophy Malkin coming back out of the woodworks here. I think so. We're gonna see going for broke mad boy Malkin just out there. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Stoked yeah. on that. <laughs> so uh that that could be exciting. Um I saw a tweet yeah. um today and it was like uh Penguins will always have like two random guys like so like a stat line will be like Evgeny Malkin scored with assists from his wingers like Hank Honk and like Philip Brobag or something. It's just like two random wingers and like Evgeny Malkin. Just they always have some random guys play that's, with. That's been stars. like Pittsburgh for the last <laughs> yeah. five years. I know they can't keep getting away it's with like it. Like this amazing like all-time great player and then two random guys who just happen to like be at the yeah, that pretty day. much. You know the Zamboni driver just filling in. Yeah, I know they have to stop getting away with it. Oh, I had one one last thing. It's not really injury, but semi-related to injury is um, Schneider in New Jersey. Schneider, Corey Schneider, put right, on waivers so today. That's a what a fall for him. Like it's so it was it's. I was surprised to see it when I'm, when I started checking his stats this year because I didn't realize that he was kind of dropping down so much from where he used to be. He used to be really really yeah. good. He was great. He was one of the best goalies in the league for a while there. And then he yeah. got hurt. Uh, his hips, I think, have been... Um, they worked on surgically at least once, and I think he re-aggravated it this year. In game one of the season, left the game with cramps. Um, but a lot of people speculate that his injury was tweaked. Um, so... So yeah, Blackwood has definitely kind of earned the net. He's been playing better. Um, so, will Louis Domingue be the savior in New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, they called him up. So, yep, he's back. Yeah, so that could be a very interesting goalie tandem: Mackenzie Blackwood and Louis Domingue. Uh, yeah. So it's just kind of a sad all timers. <laughs> kind of a sad. Uh, you know, fall for Schneider in his career here, but I think this could yeah. very well be the end of it. Cause... Unless he kind of goes down there and he, I know they find some weird physio stretch or something that helps out. Maybe. But uh, I know the, I guess after he hurts his hip so much, he kind of has to change his style. And then at a certain point, you're not really playing the game that got you to where you yeah. were. And not everyone, not everyone can adjust kinda like that. Sad. So kind of sad that, uh, she goes, I guess. Um, I think that about wraps it up this week, yeah. <laughs> so uh, once again, everybody, thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Clappercast Media and Twitter at Clappercast, and there you'll find uh, whenever we post new content and just any, any hockey thoughts and opinions throughout the week. Um, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.